You're listening to Alabama Tradition with Ryan Fowler and Martin Houston on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Championships. 27 SEC titles. 131 first-team All-Americans. 70 postseason appearances. 39 postseason victories. This is Alabama football. And this is Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. tradition the past present future the alabama crimson tide martin houston coming up and we're going to break down alabama we're going to be talking about the rankings we're going to talk about alabama's victory we're going to talk about who looked good when you look at the alabama crimson tide you talk about this alabama football team and trying to find a way to get revenge in baton rouge we're going to talk about it we're going to break it down a lot of things to discuss a lot of audio to get to nick saban comments when you look at this Alabama team, and even Nick Saban kind of stepping in uh, to the revenge part of the conversation. So we'll get a lot of things. Uh, we are also looking at some breaking news that will tie right back to football in a roundabout way. When you look at the CDC reducing the guidelines just a couple of minutes ago uh, down from 10 days to 7, we'll talk about how that may impact the college football playoff folks and a lot more. We'll get that conversation going and a lot more as we'll get things into the conversation. Alabama tradition, we cover it every single Tuesday, and we'll have the rankings coming up in just a couple of minutes. But, uh, Martin, we'll start with a conversation here. When you look at Alabama and you look at this Alabama football team getting the job done, 42-13, to 13, uh, led by a great performance from the offensive side of the football. Nick Saban not on the sidelines, but I don't think you could have never uh, been able to tell with the Alabama's performance inside bryant Denny Stadium. Absolutely. It was a a great game for the Alabama Crimson Tide, and uh, they were able to go out, Ryan, and take care of the business uh, without there being any uh, apparent issues or lag time in in terms of the lag time. Uh, In in terms of just the response, uh, the way the offense executed, the way the defense executed, and I actually spoke to someone that that, uh, spoke to Mr. Golding, and he felt a little less pressure, Ryan. So, um, and I think we saw that in the way he executed on uh, on Saturday in terms of the play calling. I think the players responded. Don't get me wrong; still want Nick Saban back out there on Saturday, though. But it, it, I think it was good for uh, Pete Golding and the team, and maybe even us as Alabama fans to realize uh, there could be life after Saban. Well, and and it may create more life for Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa because if he's sitting there at home, because 2020 has been a trying year for a lot of us, right? I mean, so many different circumstances. Uh, Listen, we're thankful we're in the month of December. Uh, People that are listening to the show, we're all alive, which is a great thing, right? I mean, we're, we're talking football. That's another great thing. And, you know, as, as bad as the first 11 months uh, have been, maybe the month of December is going to be extra good. But if you look at Nick Saban, you go back and you talk about the shutdown time, the shutdown time back uh, in the quarantine. I think Nick Saban's probably learned a lot about, and it's either encouraged him, you know what, I can slow down, I can enjoy it, I can step away from the game, or it's going to create this, there's no way, because it was a test. Most people don't get those tests as a college coach. He's got a couple of tests now, and, and I'm sure that if you think about it, you'll look at Nick Saban, you'll say, man, there's no way. There's no way that he can pull this off. Yeah, but but yet again, uh, Nick Saban never ceases to 
uh, amaze me or amaze us as as the followers of the Crimson Tide, Ryan. Um, he seems to always be a step ahead. And despite the fact that COVID is an unknown disease, uh, 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 we're in the midst of a pandemic. How many programs could the head coach and an involved head coach and, invo- and a head coach that's in everything, how could he get COVID and it not spread unless you're just the guy just, you know, he just thinks ahead and he plans ahead and he's running his program. He's convinced his coaches, I believe. He convinced the majority of the players Guys, it's just going to be inconvenient for, you know, from August till January, mid-January. And if you're willing to do that, we can go out and win a national championship. If you're not, leave the program <laughs> kind of thing. Because how many programs could could have, ha- have had a head coach and a head coach is the only one that was out that week? Well, and, and it kind of confirms, you know, I've called – Alabama football, this well-oiled machine, when you look at Alabama, when you look at, you know, when you go through, uh, you know, I point out restaurants that do it well. When you go in, it's like from the moment someone greets you at the table or as you walk in the door to the minute you leave and, and someone says uh, as you're departing the restaurant, it, it's, it's Alabama. I mean, there's nothing, even things like this you're identifying that they do things the what they need to be able to do. They do things, uh, you know, being able to accomplish just what Alabama's been able to do. And I think when you back up a couple of minutes, you you look at, you know, a very simple saying inside the building, do your job, do your job. And it sounds so simple, but do your job, do your job. And, and Alabama players, coaches, uh, managers, personnel, they're doing their job, and I think that's where you can identify where you, you miss someone and you really don't miss a, a, a lot. You missed Nick Saban, sure, because uh, you probably missed him exploding uh, when Alabama dropped the uh, the fumble going into the end zone, or maybe they're giving up that final uh, seven points in the Auburn Tigers in the fourth quarter uh, on that Bo Nick's one-yard run. Uh, you had probably seen a Nick Saban explosion right there. But you miss him, but you're able to still maintain your standards. I go to the tweet that they sent out. No coach, but we managed. Uh, you know, that, little that, troll that, job that from of, Alabama, though. Do what now? A little troll job from Alabama, though. You, on that you tweet, to, you have to respect it. That's a that's a big time troll. Yes, job. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I mean, I, I gave him a check mark on that one. Uh, <laughs> it, it, but Ryan, it really does speak to um, the the nature of the process. You know, we joke about the process. We laugh about the process. But the reality of it is, it it really works. And these are the times when the process uh, is evident. You may laugh and joke and make fun and poke uh, at, at how, you know, um, anal and how strict and all of that he is. But when when it comes down to uh, the process working, uh, the process is built to work when things aren't the norm, and that's what I don't don't think it's 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 a grind, Ryan. When things are the norm, but it's a blessing, uh, and it allows the ship to keep sailing when um, when something out of the norm like this comes along. So when you look at this Alabama, we're going to talk about some guys who played well, but let, let's go back. I know you talked about Pete Golding a couple of minutes ago, but let's start there. The offense, uh, if anything, they didn't reach their average, right? I mean, we'll criticize those guys for not reaching their average. Uh, so so they kind of let it down. I mean, we're putting more pressure on them. Maybe they'll score 60 this weekend against uh, the LSU Bengal Tigers down in Baton Rouge. But going back to the defensive side of the football uh, this unit continues to improve, and it does start with Pete Golding, and we do give some credit there. Uh, but, Martin, one of the things that I like to point out is getting pressure to the quarterback. They made Bo Nix uncomfortable. Uh, some of that was probably because of the uh, efficiency on the offensive side of the football for Auburn. But you look at quarterback's hurry, they had nine, three sacks, but a lot of tackles for a loss. So they kind of lived in that backfield. That's a good start. Yeah, we've No matter who we've played, we really have not – 
been able to generate much pressure, Ryan, regardless of how inefficient uh, the quarterback uh, has been. So I would say that there is some positive um, to what the defense is doing. And I think you start this past weekend with, you know, three guys up front to me who, who did a great job. One is I just think Christian Barmore jumps off the screen every time I see him. Uh, but he was able to generate some pressure. I thought Will Anderson probably came as close to living up to his preseason hype uh, in terms of being a pass rusher. Uh, he seemed to have just settled in. And I thought uh, Allen did a did a really good job. Uh, and I, I'm not sure if, if his injury or whatever happened uh, didn't affect him. But early on in the game, he was an impact player as well. Martin, we are getting the rankings right now, literally, and we're going to be doing this every Tuesday night. It'll be very important as we're breaking down Alabama tradition and talking Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama's back at that number one spot. They were last week, and nothing really changed. Uh, Notre Dame at two, Clemson at three, Ohio State at number four. Let's stop there. Alabama at one, Notre Dame two, Clemson three, Ohio State four, even without the Buckeyes playing, right now they've got four games. Texas A&M is five, and Florida, we assume, that will be number six. It has not popped up, but we'll, uh, there it is. So the Florida Gators at number six. So let, let's stop at Ohio State just for a minute. I know we'll get right back to Alabama football, but we'll tie all this together. Ohio State, 4-0. They've got Michigan State this weekend, and then they get the, the friendly rival uh, between the Wolverines and Jim Harbaugh. Uh, coming to Columbus, Ohio, will be game number six for them. They'll be 6-0 and heading into the Big Ten Championship. At this point, uh, they'll play Northwestern uh, from the Big Ten West. There's no margin of error because there's a lot of topic right now, even the Buckeyes getting back to work today, a limited number of schedule, but they, they look like they're on pace at this point to play Michigan State. Uh, but right now, the Wolverines are having a big problem uh, they are in Ann Arbor and a lot of issues surrounding a COVID outbreak inside their athletic department. So if you take a look, what number do you need to see? Or do you look at it from an eye test and you say, Ohio State's clearly one of the best four teams in the country, regardless of the number of games that they play. But right now, only four games. And you look at a Texas A&M and a Florida uh, who have would at this point go through the SEC schedule and you look at Ohio State, I mean, do you give them anything? you criticize them? Because it was the Big Ten's fault that they're not playing the number of games, right? They wanted everybody to follow their lead, and when everybody did not follow their lead, uh, they chose to follow the lead of the other conferences. So really the Big Ten kind of, their arrogance kind of got them in trouble. But when you look at the Buckeyes undefeated, uh, some say they're the best four team in the country, but, you know, at some point the wins and losses have got to count. How do you know they're one of the best teams? Is it strictly an eye test thing? Right? How many times did we see Kevin Sumlin uh, at this point five and zero, six and zero, and we say this? We would say this is the year that Texas A and M gets it going, and then they would play Alabama, one team, and then they would be at best down the stretch, they'd be fifty fifty ball. For the rest of the season. Now, is Ohio State a talented team? Yes. Is LSU a talented team? Yes. Who has Ohio State played that makes you say, oh, this is clearly the best team in the country? Every team that they have blown out has a maximum of two wins or less. The only team that has won more than four games I mean, more than two games that they have currently played or will play in the future took them and they won by seven. And that's Indiana. Where do you think Indiana would fall in the SEC right now if they had to play? If Indiana was playing seven games, would they be Arkansas? I mean, would they be Arkansas? Probably Um, so. Probably. Yeah, if they, if yeah. They were I mean, they may league. be a little better than Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas is playing well. I'm not dogging Arkansas with that. I'm just, or, or Missouri. I'm just saying they would not be in front of Georgia. Indiana would be behind Georgia, Texas A&M, Florida, Alabama at least, right? So they'd be at best fifth. Uh, and, and now you're telling me that, that you're saying Ohio State's the most talented. 
This Ohio State team is not the same Ohio State team of the past. They don't. The running game is not as good. Now they got. He he's a guy that I have a hard time complimenting because I just for some personal reasons. But Josh, uh, I mean Justin Fields is a is a big time talent. Uh, but the wide receiver core is not as good as what we've seen there in the past. The running backs are not as good. The, this defense is not the same defense. And the one time that they faced a good, decent team, they gave up 35 points. So I, I'm not ready to say that a 4-5 and five and 6-0 and oh, um, Ohio State team should be in. If that's the case, Ryan, why do we care if – if everybody dumps their schedule with also runs and play eight conference games, why do why have we dog teams year in and year out that have played eight conference games a year and we dog them for the other four? If we're going to say Ohio State, well, hey, you only have to play six conference games and we're going to say you're equivalent to the best team in the country. If you can make a judgment off of six conference games, or seven conference games, why do you? Why do the other four matter? If you beat the other four and you beat your conference games, it shouldn't matter about strength of schedule. It should be just conference-based. So a lot of things to talk about, a lot of things to debate, and, and we'll talk about the different revenge tour of Alabama 2020. It's Alabama tradition. That's Martin Houston. I'm Ryan Fowler. We're going to break down more Alabama Crimson Tide football. We'll set the stage for this Alabama-LSU game and a lot more when we continue more Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Southern Owl House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard. Southern food at its best. Daily lunch and dinner specials, plus that great menu that includes that Southern cuisine. Maybe the bacon-wrapped meatloaf. Maybe the fish and taters. Maybe the great chicken breast that they serve. All the great appetizers. You'll find a great sandwich like the pickle burger, the alehouse burger, the yard bird, and so much more. Great desserts. Let those guys be a part of your week. We're talking about lunch and dinner options. Southern Owl House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard, catering as well. Go see Cal, Justin, Brad, Brett, and all the friendly staff at Southern Owl House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard. Pat's Florist in downtown Tuscaloosa. Over 55 years of serving Tuscaloosa in West Alabama. They're open 8 until 5, Monday through Friday, 8.30 until 12.30 on Saturday, specializing in that large inventory of fresh flowers, the weddings, the gourmet and the fruit baskets, always an option. Delivery options, it's more than just flowers. Pat's Florist, 1010 Queen City Avenue in downtown Tuscaloosa. Pat's Florist and gourmet baskets. Tide 100.9 WTIDFM. The station in Tuscaloosa for ESPN Radio. Your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. You are listening to Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler. Your connection to Tuscaloosa and the University of Alabama Athletics. On Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. If you're just now getting back in your vehicle, Alabama, the number one team in the country, Notre Dame at number two, Ohio State there at that number four spot, Clemson at number three. So right now at this point, it would be one against four, Alabama against Ohio State, and then Notre Dame and then Clemson. But uh, I think we know that at some point one of those guys are going to lose. And if you look at Clemson possibly getting the revenge game against those guys, Alabama matched up against Notre Dame if they continue to win, or if the Florida Gators slip in there. Martin and I are talking about Ohio State, the Buckeyes, and we look at these football teams, and uh, we look at the margin of error that these guys. But I also tie this in together. When you look at the criteria, uh, the CDC has shortened the guidance for quarantine after COVID-19 exposure from 10 days to 7. If you look at the Big Ten policy, and I'm sure this is uh, pretty similar around the country. They always determine right back to the CDC. So in about 20 minutes ago, the CDC reduced the guidelines from 10 to 7. 10 to 7 when you look at uh, some of the, the CDC guidelines. So even 
uh, people that are out there listening that thought they had a two-week vacation. Uh, get back to work. You've only got seven days, so this may impact uh, some of the contact tracing and the other things. So, Martin, when we look at it, uh, when we look at Alabama against Notre Dame, is there a preference of any of the three teams, Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Clemson? I don't know that there's necessarily a preference there, but uh, yeah, I made that whole statement about you don't want Ohio State to be number four because of the fact that they haven't played enough games. Is Ohio State potentially one of the best four teams? Absolutely, from a talent standpoint, sure. one of the most dangerous teams. Absolutely. So I really don't have a preference over those, uh, you know, because if you pick Notre Dame, you're probably picking them because you think they're the easiest one. <laughs> uh, if you pick um, Clemson or Ohio State, you're probably going to get a, a you know a pretty good football team. So I think this Alabama team is prepared to take on either one of those uh, three teams uh, because of the balance that they have. All right, but but let's tie it back together because we're we're looking at a team with LSU and uh, according to some tweets out there, I know uh, Kirk Herbstreit kind of addressed that as well, but uh, uh, when you look at teams that are backing up, and l- l- let's just take for an example, you-, you look at Ohio State and the Michigan Wolverines. All right, Jim Harbaugh has not won a game against Ohio State. Really, Michigan has not won a game uh, you know, I think it's like one out of 16, 17 years when you look at the Buckeyes. But the Buckeyes need the Michigan Wolverines to do the, the correct thing because they need that game. But you see mm. players that are opting out. I mean, this is a way that you could kind of, uh, you know, you may not win on the field, but you could win off the field. And if you look at a lot of the, the question that you and I talked about three or four weeks ago, What's the motivation to do the right thing for these teams that are out of it uh, at this point? And you have to ask that question, what, what is the motivation? What, what is the motivation for players or coaches? Yeah, you could say pride, but we're seeing a lot of players right now opt out all over college football, and we're not even in, in the bowl season. These are just teams that cannot even get through uh, the part. And they're using COVID as more of an excuse to me because if COVID was your concern, it would have been your concern three weeks ago. It would have been your concern six weeks ago. Instead, it's become an easy rebuttal for these teams. But I don't buy it. I'm not buying that these these players are opting out because of COVID concerns. Exposure from ten days to seven. Yeah, I totally agree, Ryan. I, I culturally, we have created an environment that makes the opting out easy even if even if there wasn't a COVID, you know but COVID on top of the fact that we have kind of mm, we've created a culture that hey you don't have to finish and some people say well they're opting out and that's their right absolutely that's their right um i i just think it's a, a slippery slope with the opting out uh and even the fact ryan that you and i have had the conversation or are having the conversation right now that it's not beyond possible that Michigan would do something to opt out of playing Ohio State just to keep Ohio State from getting to the championship game, you know, the conference championship game, because they have to play, if I'm not mistaken, they have to play at least six games. Um, and to, to me – that just speaks to where we are culturally. Here's a question I have for you, Brian, back to the college football playoffs. The SEC championship has a standard, right? You have to play within two, if I'm not mistaken, of the average games played, correct? Okay. Okay. I think that's what it is. No, I think you're correct. Yes. Uh, you know, the, the Big Ten has a standard. You have to play, what, six games. What's the standard for making the college football playoffs? What's their standard? But see, this was the problem back with the college football committee. I thought, you know, when they came out and they said, well, we're just going to wait to November to let it play out. At that point, you needed the big five, the people, uh, and even even the group of five. Because there's some teams right now, when you look at Cincinnati, they're at number seven. I don't know if they could play their way in. 
Uh, I guess if everybody had a collapse and, and you, they would be sitting there. But to me, it, it should have been something that was stated earlier where they could set this criteria because it's kind of like a moving goalpost right now at this point uh, because the committee and, and the group of college football playoff group uh, decided not to add anything to this. So it's it's they they should have set the criteria and said, hey, you got to play a minimum. Because see, I'm not even sure. Because right now we've all backed down our standard. Right now with on, on on Ohio State, we're saying okay, if they play two more games regular season and then the Big Ten championship, then we give them that that wiggle room at seven. I don't know if I seven's enough. That, I don't, but but I don't think my my. Uh, my rejection or my uh, rebuttal or my dissension is going to matter. Uh, I do not think that, you know, they should be in at seven when everybody else getting in right now are sitting at nine, 10, uh, going to be 11 games. Well, look, look, so at, look at a team like Alabama, Martin. They'll play 10 games and look at the back-to-back pressure do you think that, let's say if Alabama played Ohio State, if it stays right now, Alabama would be matched up against Ohio State. If you look at the Buckeyes, how fresh will that team be compared to Alabama, who would have went through the SEC, went through an additional game in the SEC championship game, and then nine days later they'll be playing in a uh, a an actual semifinal game uh, for the college football playoffs? To me, that, there, is an, there is a fair, uh, an unfair advantage. In their 12th game. If, if 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 things go the way we think they will, there'll be you'll have an eleven and O team playing a seven and O team, and they're playing for an opportunity to be the champion. And one team would have played. Ryan, I mean, I, I can't get past. No matter how it comes out, if Ohio State wins out, then the the combined total of their scheduled wins would be like 12. I mean, and four of those are going to come from Indiana because they'll beat Michigan State and they'll beat Michigan. So that means those two will have two wins apiece. Then the other teams that they've already played only has one or two wins. And then you add – it's just – it's it's crazy to think that we're having this conversation, uh, but I, I, in, on the other side, we do have football. So I'm glad we're able to have this sure. conversation. Yeah, we, but I just think it's wrong. I think it sends the wrong message to um, Texas A&M, Florida, BYU, even Cincinnati, or any of those teams to go out and play 10, 11, 12 games, and then someone else only plays six. Uh, and and the strength of schedule would be dead last, dead last. Great point. You know, and and then you're gonna say, but they're great. How do you know that? How many times, Ryan, has Alabama got to eleven and zero and lost to a Auburn team that 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 had three losses or two losses? Uh, you know, he, Saban, eight, nine win Auburn teams have given fits that we've lost in that game. It's 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 not the the six and O's and the seven and O's that you celebrate. It's the ones who are able to go through a season, and it matters every week when you play physically on your body. And you just hit a great point. Alabama will play almost as many games uh, to get to the championship as Ohio State would play all year. Alabama still has that many games left to win the championship. Well, and then and if you look at it from a standpoint, and listen, we've had some bye weeks because uh, some of the, the different situations, but if you back up and you take the, let's say that Florida upsets Alabama in the SEC championship game, I don't think they've had an off week since, like, September. So at that point, they would be playing. Uh, let me let me double check that. But I don't I don't think Florida's had an off week uh, since the LSU game was postponed because I, I think I'm I'm right on this. But I, I can go back and double check. But uh, it's it's been it was October the seventeenth is the last time that they had a an off <laughs> week. Um, let me ask you this, Ryan: If Florida beats Alabama, you have now you have two ten and one. 
and and potentially a nine and one Texas A and M, and you have a seven and zero Ohio State. Oh, Martin, don't even. You don't think they would do it, do you? You mean to tell me you think that they'll drop? They would drop Alabama out at ten and one, and put a seven and zero Ohio State in. That's, I mean, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're. That's the potential. Or, uh, or they're going to keep a, a nine and one Texas A and M out with only a loss to Alabama, if they were to run the and, table. And a team that would have beat the runner up uh, in the SEC. So you look at Texas yeah. A and they have a quality win. So I know they didn't play great against LSU, but there's just so many different scenarios. It's just, and and it really what it does is it helps us identify. When you look at this college football selection committee, they they don't make a lot of the stuff. Yeah, they make some of it public, but really the you know the metrics that they use to come up with a formula. In other words, you're given the metrics, you're given all this analytics, but everything is over uh, righted if you just simply go by eyeball test. So if you're on that committee, you're like, well, I mean, I appreciate the data, but no thanks. Uh, I think Ohio State's number one team. Well, at the end of the day, you, you can have that opinion. And and so that's where we need some universal. But it's hard to base that when you have conferences playing this number of games. And it's not just 2020. It's in, it's in the typical year where they have different criteria made up that make up and you have to select those four teams. So it's not universal, which really identifies – do we need more of a college football commissioner standpoint? Is there need to be some more unification? Because I think one thing 2020 has taught us, that these leagues are nowhere near on the same page because the day that they were supposed to have the meeting in the morning, they were not honest with one another. And the Big Ten tried to jump the gun and go out and say, hey, we're done. And, and pretty much they wanted the rest of the other four to go with them and, it, and they had a meeting the morning of. There was no discussion of this. Right. And that's what bothers me, Ryan. Uh, we got Curtis Moore, who's uh, listening in from Florida on, on uh, Facebook. And he said, but we knew that the Big Ten was going to have less games than everyone else when the Big Ten opted back in to play a season. We knew it from the jump, Martin. Great I'd say point. let it ride, even if Ohio State 7-0. and It is what it is. No, what what we said was if they get all of their games in, then it's okay. I never felt like a a six reg, six game regular season uh, champion should uh, should be playing in the college football playoffs. What we said is if they're able to get all of their games in, then you're making a comparison between nine games uh, and and eleven games versus in ten games and eleven games versus, you know, six or seven versus 11 or 12. And that's where the problem is. But here's my question that that I guess is going to be out there, Ryan, is what what about all the other teams that, that didn't opt out, went through the grind, paid the price, even though they're league? Hey, that's the consequence to the league because this is – this in a year when the money is down – Making it to the college football playoff is a big deal for these conferences. And you should not reward the conference who tried to hijack college football. That's what they did. Great Everybody point. showed Excellent them you're not, you're not the big dog, and we're not going to follow your lead. And now we're going to reward them? Here's my point. If we if Ohio State gets in at 7-0, and uh, you know, then I say let's not have conversation next year college football playoffs. Uh, about strength of schedule. Let the conferences play their games and then the other games be whoever they want to play. If they want to help some uh, directional school financially, it should not matter. You should only grade the conference games. If you can tell me that they're the best team after six games, then you can tell me after somebody goes 12-0 and with eight conference games. They don't need to play anybody else. Well, and, and Martin, I'm going to leave. Let, let me, let me, let's go to break, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why that, that these teams will get in here regardless because it goes back to TV. Remember, the same reason why ESPN, which owns a lot of these bowl games, you don't even have to have a win total 
to, to qualify for a bowl game. They pretty much said they'll accept anybody. That they, they will accept anybody. And and ESPN right now, off a off a bad financial year, is looking at Ohio State versus Alabama, Notre Dame versus Clemson, or we can flip those and look at the ratings. That would be mega dollars because you would have major blue bloods. And I don't know if you want to put Clemson as a blue blood. They have been in the last 10 years. Uh, but that would bring tons of cash to the college football side of this. And that's what they're all looking at because they look at beyond that, Texas A&M or Florida would not be as attractive as putting the other team. So that they will adjust this, and that's what we talked about earlier in the moving goalpost that's been in college football playoffs. Yeah, and I, I agree with that that sentiment. It's it's a, it's a money grab, and and, and that's you where know, you and I, I get confused can't. because we're looking like, well, how can you not really get this? Well, we we <laughs> gotta we gotta put that in there because it's all about money. But I also think that the money side will expand college football playoffs. We'll talk about that. And we'll preview Alabama and LSU. This is Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. The Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. WTIDFM. And ESPN Radio for the biggest events in sports. Your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. You're listening to Tide 100.9. Are you in the holiday spirit? Check out Tuscaloosa's Home for the Holidays on Nick 97.5. All Christmas songs, 24-7. Alabama's the number one team, according to the College Football Selection Committee, for the second week. We talk about week two of the college football rankings Notre Dame at that number two spot. Clemson number three. Ohio State there. Texas A&M in Florida. Uh, Cincinnati Bearcats at number seven. And so, Martin, going back to the college football side of things with only four teams, let's look at the financial constraints of these athletic departments because we have failed to, yeah, we look at college football and certainly I think Alabama uh, is going to be through a major budget cut when you look at it. And I don't know how exactly Greg Byrne is going to try to make up the millions of dollars. But I go back to this past weekend with Alabama and Auburn, and I've asked the question back in the summer, when you look at the 100000 that is normally in bryant Denny Stadium, look back at this past weekend with an Iron Bowl, a limited number of tickets available. Martin, we could have bought Auburn-Alabama tickets for face value. Face value, even with a limited crowd, we could have got Alabama Auburn tickets with face value. I think the demand for tickets, I think we're going to see a reset in the market in college athletics. I, I do too. I think that what <laughs> what has happened, Ryan, you know, you remember the first time you didn't get to go to an Alabama game and then you end up having a tailgate and you end up having a good experience sure. with your buddies over and all of a sudden you're like, hold on. Man, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed watching the game with the guys or et cetera, with the family, whoever it is you watch the games with now. And and then all of a sudden you never went back. And now they're now they're in this uh arms race to try to make facilities nicer uh so that you are so vested in it that you come to the game whether you want to or not. And if you don't, they've still made the money they would have made off the tickets anyway. Um, so that that's going to be huge. And think about what we just said, Ryan. Twenty thousand seats available. That's f- one home game for every five games is what you used to make in terms of just the ticket sales. I have not talked spoke to anyone that that does concessions directly, but I know that I'm not a big proponent of going to restaurants when they have to bring me a styrofoam cup every time I can't go back and get my refill, et cetera. And it's just, you have, everything is prepackaged and that's kind of the the environment. So I would imagine that even the concessions are down per 20,000 if you were to, you know, multiply it out. So these, these schools, they're going to make some choices. And, And then you have to be asking yourself, Ryan, 
is Alabama, is Notre Dame, is Clemson, are their ADs and presidents, or they won't know Ohio State in just as much as college football playoffs? Because that's some of the people who are making this decision. Are they going, guys, hey, we need to make sure that we have a big-time college football playoffs. Is that conspiracy theory? You know, probably. But it's not totally out of the realm of what's the best way for us to recruit, recoup some big-time money Maybe the virus is out by the time we play that game. I mean, the vaccine and people are more comfortable. Hey, let's get the best four we can get in there. And the best may not be based on just football and record. It may be on the financial draw. So, and we talk about expanding playoffs. Martin, I I think it's happening because I think college uh, athletic directors, uh, commissioners, people who make the financial decisions, including uh, the TV executives, I think they're going to be sitting there going, guys, we need to expand this. I mean, because you you look at finding that financial gap, this is not a quick return. It's not going to be a fix-all, but it gets you closer to that other side of the budget. So we're going to see college football expand beyond the four teams, and it's going to be quick. Uh, the contract goes to 2025 for a 12-year contract with college football playoff. I don't think we'll make it beyond two more years before we get additional teams, uh, and and it will clean up some of the financial discrepancies in these in these conferences. Yeah, it may not be just because uh, of you know the money, but I do think that there will be uh, an expansion, Ryan, and it's going to be for a lot of these programs. It's going to be a three, four, five year you know, haul uh, to recover from this year. And if we're not careful, this thing is going to bleed into a year and a half or more. Think about all of the the non-generating revenue sports, Ryan, if it's not repaired. You are not only going to have the fact that you lost your, your season that funded, according to a lot of the experts, 80 to 90% of the collegiate athletic budget comes from football season. Okay, well, now you're down to 20 percent of that budget for a year. But now you're going into your second year of having to fund sports that don't generate revenue. So it's a double whammy because I don't think we're going to be back. You know, they're going to be back to where they want to be yet. And so then you look at a team like BYU, uh, who is is sitting there, but they're not part of of a college football uh, conference, and I guess now it's the time to be in a conference unless you're Notre Dame and you get to hook up uh, with the ACC. So it, it's like there's just so many different sets of rules. There's a standard for BYU. There's a standard for here uh, because I promise you, if Notre Dame was not playing the ACC and they were just going out here playing whoever would want to play them and they're playing additional games, you you know that they would give the wiggle room to Notre Dame. So it's just – and, and I'm I'm all for if the mid majors like if Cincinnati earns a spot, I, tell them at the beginning that they don't have a shot regardless. <laughs> like in other words, walk up to right. them and say, guys, listen, I don't care what you're able to accomplish. Is if you go undefeated because it's not fair to tell them that they're part of it and then that they're really not part of. It. Either tell them that they're not wanted and let them go do their own thing, or don't just don't lie to them. And I think that's what college football has done to them. Yeah, I, I think that, that that's a message that if there's teams out there who are playing to win a national title um, and they're not in the power five other than Notre Dame, I, I just don't see it happening in the current structure of four teams. Um, and maybe, Ryan, maybe they're not pushing them away because they do have a plan for them to get in. They do have a plan to go to eight. You know, uh, what would the rankings be? Who all would be in right now um, if we were looking at that? You'd have Alabama playing Northwestern, Notre Dame playing Cincinnati, Clemson playing Florida, Ohio State playing Texas A&M. That sounds like pretty good, you know, round of of football to me. Doesn't doesn't sound as bad as – and then then just lurking right on outside, you have Miami, Oklahoma – and uh, Indiana, uh, the next four out. So I, I think that eight could could work, and I think they're going to do it, like I said, to get that money back that's being lost 
on the football season as well as those none uh, revenue generating sports that ha- will have their second season with producing uh, probably debt more than even breaking even. All right, and let me add to this. All right, if if you're the AD and you're sitting here having this discussion that they will have at some point this off season, one of the things that you could give back to those fans that we were talking about with tickets have some of the host locations in some of these top teams that you're actually fighting for something at the top. So let's say the top two host or the top, however you want to do the criteria, but allow that to be an incentive for the great teams that, that you, you know, you would have to come to their place. You lose. Okay. You may have to travel. You may have to go. Well, for one, that would, it it would be, it would be, it would make, it would more season or value on the regular season and the championship, the conference championship, but it would also have an incentive for those fans to have season tickets. You, you would add that incentive. So Coach Stallings has said multiple times he would like to see some of this because it just puts so much constraint on the fans, especially when you look at 2020, uh, of going here. You, you go to the Sugar Bowl, you go to the Rose Bowl, and then you turn around and have to go back just a certain number of days later back to Miami. I think we noticed that a couple of years ago in Santa Clara. You had to turn around and go from Miami to Santa Clara in just a short amount of time. It's, in other words, to tell the fans that you are important. You have a value. Martin, let's go to break. We're going to come back and and get LSU and Alabama. We've got a few minutes left here. We're going to break down that game. Uh, We continue right here on Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. A good supply of sunshine this afternoon. Tuscaloosa's high 49. Cold again tonight. Clear with a low at 25. Tomorrow, mostly sunny. The high 56. Thursday, increasingly cloudy with a chance of rain by afternoon. The high 57. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. WTIDFM and ESPN Radio. Bringing you all things sports in T-Town. You're listening to Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. The host of the game, Ryan Fowler, and the host of the Martin Houston Show, Martin Houston, have combined to offer a show filled with in-depth analysis of Alabama football and more. Alabama Tradition broadcasts live on Tide 100.9 every Tuesday from 6 to 7 p.m. and is available live and on playback on numerous affiliates around the Southeast. Check out alabamatradition.com for a list of affiliates as well as other great content. So we go back to Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future, the Alabama Crimson Tide, Alabama LSU. And, Martin, we talk about revenge factor. For one, do you believe in the revenge factor when you look at Alabama and LSU? Well, I, I think that revenge can have a role, Ryan. Uh, I think if, if you need revenge to get up for this type of game, then, you know, it's not going to make a difference. Uh, but if you're already up for the game – and it gives you that little bit of extra motivation or incentive, then it, it can't be a, a bad thing uh, wanting to – I guess it could be a bad thing if you get so caught up in, in revenge that you don't do your job and you get over-aggressive. But as far as it motivating you in your preparation to make sure that you beat your guy uh, – and, and you're more prepared, you watch a little bit more film because you don't – all of those things, yes, I believe in the revenge factor. Uh, but ultimately, Ryan, you want all the revenge you want. Uh, Northridge got beat uh, in the playoffs, and we could want revenge on Sarah Land, and then we could get hype, but it would only get us uh, uh, probably out of the first drive. So, you know, it, but it would get us out of the first drive probably. <laughs> Well, you said it. Preparation is probably where it pays off the most. Absolutely. So when you look at this Alabama team, Vegas opened it up at 25. The public has bet the line up to 29 and a half. Now, that's as of our recording right here on Alabama Tradition. When you look at moving beyond that, uh, 29 and a half, to me, that number just seems. Yeah, I mean, I could see where Alabama would cover it, but I also could see where Alabama could get in that second half with the game, you know, the first drive in the second half, and you start resting some of the, your guys knowing that what we've talked about with fatigue, because Nick Saban pointed this out a couple of weeks ago, it's not just the games. It's that these guys have been practicing 
pretty much the full uh, length of the schedule. So they've been preparing, even though you know the, the game started in September, they were preparing back in August. So you, you, you take that in the physical toll, and, and we'll see if that pays off for Nick Saban and, and trying to find a way to, to maybe get some reps uh, and, and for your backups and some rest for your starters. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's easily Alabama could easily run away with this game, uh, but also at the same time think it could be not a trap game in the sense that Alabama is going to get beat, but that that Alabama uh, jumps out on them, takes care, makes them look bad, uh, and then as you say, begin to rest. But I also think the other could happen, Ryan. <laughs> I think that that you know there was some freshmen and some recruits that were told they were stupid for choosing Alabama over LSU last year. So those guys may get in and they may be as hyped about playing against LSU uh, and, and kind of do what we did, you know, the, the last uh, against Kentucky where the offense still had some, some, some pep to it. And I could see us getting Bryce young. And I mean, would you? I would get Bryce Young some actual reps throwing the ball more than a couple times. Absolutely, and, and worked offense because we're one hit from him having to be the the guy, and we have not seen a lot of him. So I would not be surprised if this game doesn't represent that for Bryce Young. Going to be a lot of fun that trip to Baton Rouge, Alabama, going down and taking on Coach O, and it's more than just a a, a three and a half hour game. These guys have a recruiting map that overlaps. I mean, Alabama has made a living in the state of Louisiana. And and so Nick Saban, with all those connections uh, down in the Bayou State, uh, that that's probably because you could look at Coach O and when you look at Dave Aranda and Brady no longer there, right now it's kind of hard to buy stock that Coach O did it on, on himself. And without those two pieces of the puzzle, uh, this, this may go from the, you know, the, the, the penthouse to the outhouse in just a few months. Yeah, he, he's definitely on his way uh, to his seat getting uh, getting warm. Uh, he, he's going to have to – next year is his test season. Um, I think COVID, remember I told you a couple weeks ago, everybody's response when they get evaluated or someone says something, hey, I would have been a champion but COVID. I would have, you know – said yes, but COVID. I think I think Coach O is going to get a but COVID season. Uh, but next year, if it looks a lot like this, then it's going to definitely uh, look like uh, someone said, said lightning in a bottle, Ryan. So I came up with what LSU uh, stands for. Lightning struck us. Ah. <laughs> so that's what LSU stands for. But I think Alabama takes care of business, man. You know, and, and one day, let's get in the debate because you wonder if there's enough quality coaches to go around because some of these coaches are going to be on the hot seat, but it's like, okay, uh, you put them on the hot seat. What, what, what does that really mean? Because is there really enough coaches to go around? I can say who you're going to go get right now. Sure. Yeah, I mean, well, we have and we're, we have we have a coach Saban has actually a uh, coach's uh, hiring service. I think over there he has about five that he could sure. hire out. Great point, great point. <laughs> That's Martin Houston. This is Alabama tradition. Joe Gaither. We will talk to you next time right here on Alabama tradition. The past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide.